Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mark. And this is our continuing coverage of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. This episode we're covering Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters, episode four, entitled Parallels and Interiors. You sounded like you almost forgot already and we no, I didn't. just discussed it <laughs> uh but this episode we have our first guest of the season as well he is the host of the fantasy picks podcast uh and also another godzilla fan just like mark so please welcome uh rob moda how's it going guys as my voice cracked as i said your last name <laughs> Quite I'm right. yeah i'm not redoing it it's just it's the excitement in my voice That's yeah <laughs> welcome rob <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, you guys podcast quite a lot together, do you not? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I have Mark over on mine quite a few times, and uh, and I usually help out on his. Yeah, yeah, he, I, he I'll, jumps on in panels and then does adrenaline on occasion. Yeah, and all three of us are actually going to be doing a, a an adrenaline cinema episode together. As yep. a matter of fact, yeah, that you'll probably be hearing shortly after this episode drops. Um. But Rob, just for people that uh, you know aren't familiar, what's your background when it comes to Godzilla? Like, how big of a fan are you? Are you, um, you know, have you seen everything? Are you as knowledgeable as Mark tries to be? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounds like a dig. <laughs> oh, it was. Don't, don't be misbelieving. It yeah. was. Yeah. Well, that's no, it. I, that's I'm actually. I don't know. I, I would say I'm just like kind of a casual viewer who's grown up with Godzilla. Uh, grew up with the original uh, movies. As I'm not a very nostalgic person, so when I actually go back and see some of the original stuff, I kind of, you know, I kind of crack a smile because it's like, yeah, it's a man in a suit, and you could kind of <laughs> see that, you know, they're they're just kind of breaking a model, you know, studio or whatever it is. And but no, I'm not. I I would say yes, I'm a fan if it's done right. I'm a fan of like the legendary stuff. Oh, I was gonna know. that was gonna be yeah. my next question too. What's your opinion been on the legendary side of things so far? The reason I like legendary is one, I think so. I used to be in computer animation and gra and a graphic designer for uh film and uh television a long time ago. And so when it comes to certain things, I kind of gravitate towards, hey, that looked really good. And if it has a good story, even better. So for me, I think that the new uh, legendary stuff has looked excellent. And it's been a fun ride, especially the like I would say, uh, you know, what is this? Skull Island, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, you know, those are fun movies. And so I like them a lot. I think they're entertaining. They don't. It's ve they're very different from the Japanese, you know, of course, Toho stuff, which they tend to be a little more, uh, what I would say, uh, dramatic <laughs> on certain <Yeah>. things, you know. <laughs> uh, I was telling Mark that I hated Shin Godzilla because I just felt like they concentrated too much on what every department does. And there was always a title for every department. And it just seemed like, wow, there's a lot of bureaucracy in this whole movie. <laughs> to just do one thing, you know, it's like this department has to go to this department. This department has to go to this department. And and I was like, at least American films, we just get to the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so it might be simple for some people, but I think 
the way Americans just do film, it's, hey, we don't waste time with this kind of stuff. You know, this is not an art film. This is an action film that we need to bring people into the seats of, of the theater and they have to, you know, buy popcorn and just move along, just, you know, and keep going and we'll yeah. do another one. Bam. You know, we just want to bring in the money. And I just feel that Toho sometimes, and I'm not trying to criticize them, but Toho sometimes, I think Godzilla is like such a pride and joy for them that they sometimes try to get a little philosophical with it. And sometimes they kind of miss the mark. Like, uh, what's the uh, Godzilla that uh, I just recently saw of Mark? Uh, that would be minus one. <laughs> no, no, the other one, the other one that uh, <laughs> that I said that it was absolutely horrible. Uh, oh, you talk about Shin? No, you were talking after that. Remember that, how that I said how Mark we- likes to seem like he's 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 knowledgeable. <laughs> we just saw it in the theater Thursday. It's, it's minus the, one. Godzilla. It, minus- no, it's no. I'm talking about that. I said that I saw it at my house. And I was even texting you saying, this is the most horrible thing I have ever oh, seen. Oh, Final Wars. <laughs> Final Wars. It's Final Wars. I saw yeah. Final Wars, and those are like two hours I'll never get back in my life. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like either either they take it serious or they don't take it serious. Mm-hmm, I, think yeah. it, I think here we try to take it serious because unlike Toho, has, who spends $12 million for a movie, we tend to spend $200 million for a movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So they want to make sure that it is the best it possibly can. Did we miss the mark with uh, the Godzilla and uh, Matthew Broderick? Yes, we did. But it still <laughs> oh, made money. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into this now, are we? No, no. no, no. no we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. And Mark and I like to, like to tease each other a little bit about it, too, because I'm, I'm a fan of that movie. But I, I know Mark's thoughts on that movie, so. I had hopes and <laughs> dreams for that, and it went down in the gutter with the rest of the trash. Jeez. But uh, it's so, a roll. Listen, it's a Roland Emmerich movie, and his whole thing is, how can I just, every time he makes a movie, how can I destroy the world, even, you know, more? Yeah. You know, Specific- so he, a lot of times, specifically New York City, too. He, I'm wondering if. Well, I have to look that up. I'm wondering if he lives in New York or oh, he I don't know. visits New York frequently or does he hate New York so much that he's like, screw it. We're <laughs> we're burning it I, down. <laughs> I mean, you look at the like, I mean, not to get too far off topic, but look at the first city that's destroyed in Independence Day. Oh, yeah, that is it's it's New York City, yeah. New York. He just Wait, has... was it New York? Wait, was it New York or was it L.A.? Oh, you know what? You might be right. I think L.A. was the first city struck. You're right. right. Yeah, it was yeah. the it was the tower in uh in L.A. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Nope. You're right. I stand yeah. corrected. Michael Just... Bay, though, destroyed <laughs> oh, <no>. New York. <laughs> Mike Michael Bay will put an explosion on a skateboard crash if he thought it was entertaining. Hey, man, that's why they call it Bayham. Huh? And you know what? <laughs> Most of the stuff I watch, so I can't really complain. True. Um, but you guys did actually just recently go and see uh, Godzilla minus one. Mm-hmm. So without going into too much detail, uh, what were your overall thoughts about that? Go ahead, Mark. Uh, basically, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, there were a few things I'd nitpick about it, but overall, 
it was a rebooting of the the series and it's a whole new story of his origins and it was interesting because they took something out of the Shawa era of Godzilla from Toho and put that in here and we get to see it. Uh, we actually get do mentions that were brought into Monarch Legacy of Beast as well. They they talk about the Bikini Atoll and uh, the, the bombing. So there was a bombing. Apparently that must have been realistic there. And... Uh, uh, they do uh, do mention Aga uh, Agawasa Ara Island too at one point as another location. So from the original series, but it's it's nice, but it's very story centric based upon the characters, and and it's a build up based around one particular character and his uh, encounters throughout the uh, the movie, which is very good. I uh, When we were rating it that night when we got out and we were hanging around the parking lot, uh, Rob, you said it was like maybe a 7.5 at most. I gave it Correct. probably about a 7.8, but... Yeah, it was. It's entertaining, but there are certain things that you're you're gonna like and not like within it. But it's an original concept. It has homages to Jaws and things of that nature too in it. Right. Okay. I felt like I felt like it missed the mark in certain things. The original yeah. Godzilla, of course, had a big commentary on, especially nuclear war and you know and what comes about it. And here, I felt like. They didn't want to touch upon that that much. They just wanted to do more of that, like you know, Mark said, concentrate on just one, this one character, and that's where I felt like they kind of missed the mark. Because if they were going to go back to the original, they should have brought a lot of that stuff from the original into this, especially in today's world. I think that you know, there's no reason not to bring it up. Uh, but other than that, it was it was actually filmed. Uh, beautifully in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, great cinematography in certain parts, great colors. And like Mark said, some really nice homages to uh, to Jaws, <laughs> uh, very obvious things, you know. But yeah. other than that, uh, the reason I didn't feel that it was like this grand thing like everybody else thought is because I was comparing it to the legendary stuff and especially yeah. the Godzilla, the, the Godzilla part of it. Yeah. Okay. And it had Fair traditional uh, uh, traditional Toho. They have Akira Fukube's uh, typical Godzilla march in it, but it's been redone at the very end. We get the original. And, it, and the other music that was filled in during throughout the, the movie was done very well, as what I could tell. Uh, there's one scene where there's an acoustic guitar part, which was really, really good and provided great moments for the scene. So, you know, the, the music was done well. There's a few things that could have been fixed before it came out. But then again, uh, I was surprised that Gareth Edwards is, like, promoting it like crazy because he, he did the original Legendary Godzilla. But he's, like, applauding it, saying it's one of the best ever, including in comparison to his own. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> That that might be more of sucking up than anything. Else. Yeah, that, I, I think I was so about too. To say the same it's thing. Like they're, yeah. they're paying us, so I have to say this. <laughs> do I want do do I want Godzilla X Kong to still release? I, I should probably talk this movie up. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, uh, but let's get into 
this episode of Monarch, uh, season four, or yes, yeah, season four. We're not that far ahead. Um, season one, episode four, parallels and interiors. Before we dive into the deeper parts of this episode, what are the overall thoughts on the episode? Because I'll actually start with this one in saying that as much as I enjoyed episodes one through three, this one kind of didn't hit as hard with me as the other ones did. I felt a little, a little disappointed Hmm. in this one uh, only because I know, you know, Monarch is giving us some great human interactions other than the Titans. And that's really what they're trying to focus on. And I feel like some of the interactions in this episode kind of fell a little flat for me. I don't know about you two. Yeah, I, it was more, character base driven and more focusing on Kentaro and May and their meeting and then a little bit more of hallucination within it too. Uh and then we do get a little bit of the Titan within the the episode, which is what a lot of people fixate and focus on. But as far as projecting the story forward this probably could have been done within 20 minutes, not 40 and change. I it, can see that they could have done an extra long episode and still had this in there and not real and cut out a lot, but still retain what was needed from the story arc. I get that. Rob, how about you? Um, I thought it was just all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Less. Like you said, I think one one through three were a lot better. This, I, I kind of nitpicked on this one because being in the Arctic, I felt that, you know, I don't know about you, but I when I get cold, I get all chapped. <laughs> and I get all, you know, my skin gets dry. And here they are, like in 50 degree, you know, below zero. And they still have that beautiful complexion on. (laughs) So it really took me out of the episode. I mean, that's like all I could see was like, you guys are like, I don't know. I think it was what, Alaska or something or that they went to. I think it's supposed to be Alaska. Yeah, Yeah. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're in Alaska and and you see this freezing weather and, and of course the wind chill and all this stuff. But they're just walking around like, oh, you know what? It's just kind of a cold day, like, you know, a stroll in New York. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, hey, I'm close to the Arctic <laughs> and I should be really freezing. And that just took me out of it. I mean, even though I felt like, okay, they had some, a little bit of nice character development here and there. But mm-hmm. those things, when it, when you put something in a situation that is so unrealistic, <laughs> no matter how good of the intention is, it just you, you kind of like, pit, you know, you kind of concentrate on that and not what they're trying to really say, and that's what really took me out of the episode. Is like, I just don't feel like this this episode is like really serious or something. I don't know. I, I that or the budget. They just said, listen, we're putting the but all the budget on the monster. We can't do anything with the snow and the you know we don't have a a much more powerful uh wind machine (laughs) (laughs) that we can use (laughs) yeah i mean you know it's some good points too because i'm i'm with you on that one too rob like it the the arctic weather didn't feel very realistic 
for me. I, it kind of took me out of it because you're right. As as cold as they made it to be with May falling into the water and as painful as that, you know, I, I that I believe. But even I was kind of even taken out of that a little bit when it didn't seem as cold outside of the water. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it made it made May's situation a little bit harder to believe at the same time. But uh, but Mark, I'm with you now that you said it. I didn't think of it that way. This would have been better had episode three just been a little extended. Mm -hmm. And we got all of this at the end of episode three. Cut down a little bit. Take the whole Kentaro hallucinating about his art display and meeting out May. of it. Yeah. Well, the meeting may was I, needed to see that background in history. And then there's something within that particular scene when he's in the apartment after the, they got uh, really sensual. But the, uh, the, the, the episode itself was typical. It just reminded me of any other show that we will ordinarily watch that becomes filler. And I'm like, that, that could have been a five minute thing. That whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, that whole, whole thing. Original, yeah. May lying, him hallucinating May lying next to him in the snow. It, it wasn't needed. Um, him hallucinating about his father coming to his art exhibit, like it w wasn't needed. They could have cut that. They could have cut easily a good 10, 15 minutes out of this episode. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have changed the main story. And you're right. It could have been tacked on to episode three. Yeah. And it would have worked fine. But so let's dive a little deeper into the episode. Let's get to some of the nitpicks uh, and such. Uh, I'll kick it off by saying we did actually get to meet uh, a new character in this episode. And we learned the name of another one. Hmm. Uh, first off, in the beginning of the episode, we meet Barnes. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if she has. a No, it just says Dr. Barnes uh, from Outpost 47 in Utah. Correct. Uh and then we also learn that the name of the the agent is Verdugo, who we met talking to Tim at the end of episode three. So we find out her name from Barnes calling in uh, from from the station in Utah. That stuff I didn't mind because I found that added a little bit more intrigue to the story. Like, why is it in Utah they're picking up? all of this stuff and no other stations close by are picking this up. Cause then she also makes mentions when she's talking to Verdugo later, she mentions, uh, Genjira, which is a nuclear power plant from the first Godzilla movie. Yep. Uh, and the Yucca flats, which is a very well-known nuclear test site in the United States. So we're getting more references to other nuclear areas or touched by nuclear power or activity mm -hmm. uh so i, I want to know more that added intrigue to me i want to know more about utah and this station and dr barnes but um yeah that's all i have on that <laughs> i don't know if anybody <laughs> else wants to add to it well to elaborate why was she there and what was she looking for since she is a monarch agent she's obviously there looking just like everybody else uh you did mention about the 2014 because everything built up to the same signature readings that they got and Tim actually mentions it at the very end when he's talking to everybody that they're the same types of signature readings that they got before G-Day which is Brian Cranston's scientist in that particular movie where his wife died and 
the the Muto came out, and that's what that was the, yeah that was the that was the Genjira power plant from Correct. that she mentions. Yes, yeah. So it, it's nice to get that, but it, I just get so many Jurassic Park three vibes from it too, from the scene too, because of the the setup, older technology. You got that that weird satellite phone. <laughs> do they even still have those style satellite phones? Well. Uh, oh yeah, that, they still do. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they still use them. But the fact that she pulled that piece of equipment out from underneath a bench in in the RV that helped me to realize that that RV and that research center, that research location, has been there longer than she has. Correct. Oh yeah, it's so, an old airstream. Yeah. yeah, but the fact that the equipment there was going off and she didn't even know where it was, she followed the noise, mm-hmm. means that yeah, she was just assigned to it. But that research facility has been there probably for a while. I would say so. Yeah, and yeah, she the one thing that, that there's gamma radiation too. Mm-hmm. Oh. The one thing that kind of like the the whole premise of the show is about monarch right and then so the beauty of that is hey this is what monarch is and by it saying that it's outpost 47 gave me the um kind of like the 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 illusion of oh okay there's a ton of outposts throughout the world that they are trying to monitor what's going on with you know all these kaijus or just one uh so that was intriguing for me i was like oh okay there's more than one outpost and they even forgot who she was. I guess they have. They yeah. got. They they have. They have so many of these outposts that they're like, "Who are you?" Uh, you know that yeah. kind of person. You know, so that I found very interesting. The only thing is, and, and I always say this, it's like whenever you take the science a little too far, this is when it becomes unrealistic. Now, for like, I try to be as scientific literate as possible. And when they were saying, when she was saying, you only see this when um. It's, well, I forgot what it was like with you know with supernovas or something like that or whatever super it was. massive super massive black holes yeah. super massive black holes yeah. right and I'm like okay now you're taking it way too far <laughs> so you know those are the moments I'm like <laughs> I wonder what Neil deGrasse Tyson would say about this <laughs> oh man I didn't even think about that yeah I mean this is a man who nitpicks the stars in Titanic. Correct. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what he's what he's thinking about this too. But I mean, yeah, like I'm I I followed along with the science well enough. But I'm with you too. Like I picked up when she calls in and she says, "Hey, it's Barnes, Outpost Forty Seven. Like, yeah, they they didn't even know who she was by name. Yeah, they just got <laughs> way too many people in the field. Yeah, for them to just know. Oh yeah, I know Barnes. Yeah, listen, you're just another peg. You know, <laughs> you're just another oh, agent. Uh, <laughs> yeah well you keep calling her agent and i don't think she's an agent of monarch she's a doctor she's a scientist yeah, scientist just very much like uh, keiko was i would believe um well oh yeah keiko yeah well keiko is also one of the origins uh the originators of monarch but correct um but yes yeah, you're yeah she was a she was a scientist she they're not agents i'm sure there are agents because we still don't know yet what Tim is. Yes. What Tim is to Monarch. Correct. Right. Yeah. According at the very end, we get a whole thing about him talking about uh, him, just the weird guy behind a desk. The troll in the basement. The troll in the basement. There you go. There's, yeah. there's the answer. 
but you know, uh, one of the things we've been talking about these first these first <laughs> t- couple episodes is is Tim nefarious or is he working for good? And I think we got a little bit more of a realization into that this episode yeah. in that speech that he gives about like I thought we were here to learn what we can and. I've been saying that I think he actually is good. He's just going about things the wrong way because he's the troll in the basement. He doesn't know any better. Um, And I think it's leaning more in that direction. I think he is there to help. He wants things. He, he doesn't want anybody getting hurt. He's not trying to hurt people. Yeah. Correct. I think that like, just like any organization in the, in the government, which probably starts as one thing, but once you, get the bureaucrat, uh, bureaucrats involved, you get the military involved and stuff like that. It's like you were saying, they're probably there. There's probably a bunch of scientists there, a bunch of research people, but there's also, like we said, there's probably military assets in Monarch in order to try to keep the secrets of Monarch, you well, know, and things like that. So, and that in order to run an organization like that, whoever runs, it can't just be, scientifically minded they have to actually be more of the government type that says okay i got scientists that work for me i got agents that work for me so monarch seems to be a huge huge agency that nobody knows about but i'm sure there's a lot of different pegs and a lot of different cogs in this agency in order for it to keep going because it's been going since what the 19 what is 60s 1950s i think 1950s or something like that right yeah well, I mean, and we even get a little bit of that, too, in that scene where Barnes calls in uh, because there is a military person in the room. You Correct. know, they, they call it the the event and she's like, we'll call it what it is, an attack. Hmm. Like, so there is already a military presence within Monarch. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah the military is already present. Well, we kind of got that feel, too, in the very like from the last three episodes when Lee was in integrating and the government was, you know, and the military were funding Monarch at that point in its beginning. So obviously they're integrated with it. I just like, uh, out of this. I just wish we knew more about Mon. I like this, you know, the title says Monarch. I just yeah. wish we knew a lot more about it than just having, you know, the relationships that, you know, these kids are having. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool, but I don't need to really dive into that. I want to see the other. The other stuff interest, uh, is a lot more interesting than the kids, you know. Well, but, but I can see it from a different perspective, though, in that they're trying to make it so that the audience is learning about Monarch just as they are. Right. They're putting us in the viewpoint of... Kentaro of Of Kent- of Kentaro and Kate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're learning about Monarch as they're learning about Monarch, which I guess is a clever way to go about it rather than have everything revealed to the audience. And then in, in that sense, it's kind of be like, we would see Kentaro and Kate and be, well, like you guys need to catch up faster because we already know what's happening. <laughs> so it, it's a different perspective to yeah. actually learn about Monarch as they're learning about Monarch. Right. Well, I guess. I mean, I could see that point of view. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very interesting and I'm, I'm enjoying learning more and more about it because as, as we know, you know, as we get further into the legendary timeline with Godzilla King of Monsters and then eventually with Kong versus Godzilla, Monarch is a very public company at that point. 
Yes. Monarch is in is in court deliberations at the beginning of Godzilla King of Monsters and by Godzilla versus Kong, you know, they are helping with relief efforts. They are a very right. public and out in the open company. So we're at a very interesting time of Monarch where it seems like they are still very private. They're very under the radar um, because at this point, it's 2015. The initial Godzilla attack in San Francisco was only a year ago. And that was when, you know, Kate has the flashbacks of seeing them walking around, filming everything, doing all the research. So I like this kind of element of mystery around Monarch. But I am kind of with you, Rob, where I'm like, uh, just I, I want to know more. Like, I, I want it now. <laughs> yeah, I think we all want to know more. Uh, I I really got a good. I don't know. I, I, I got a good chuckle in the fact that we got Kurt Russell in the Antarctic again. <laughs> and nobody's going to call him Mac, but he's still got the same, a little bit of the same attitude from Mac from the thing. And I, I just left, but uh, we, we already know that Utah is outpost 47. I'm curious if the tent or whatever Hiroshi was in was called outpost 31. With him and whoever he was with, because <laughs> that was the actual outpost from the thing. But yeah, no, I'm okay. curious. But the thing is, is that uh, it, it there were like it, there was actually a callback to the thing in there when he was trying to burn of all things do Duhan's body within it. Was yeah. there? If you yeah what, was yeah was I didn't catch the callback to the thing. Well, he was going to burn Duhan's body to get the beast to come out, and that was a, a point of reference because they they were they had to burn the thing in the original Carpenter version. I think I think you're playing very loosely with the yeah, idea I, of that being a tie into the thing. It's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but well, I, Mark and I would Mark and I were talking about the, you know the, it, it's kind of cool that they got Kurt Russell and then his son to play him at a younger age. Yeah. But I was telling uh Mark I was like, "Yeah, but his son does not act like Kurt Russell. He might look like him." But Kurt Russell, when he was younger, he had a certain type of personality, no matter what movie he came out in. And so and you could still see that, of course, as he's an older person now. But you don't see that that kind of personality in his son when, you know, at a younger age. You know, he has his own, of course. But um, it would be nice if he would try to imitate his dad, say, OK, I'm going to try to imitate the young Kurt Russell you know, my young dad, the way he, you know, in all his movies, how he's always been. Cause then that would have been really cool. Yeah. Kurt should have given him the thing as research <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, the computer. Here, Wyatt, watch shoes. this. Yeah. <laughs> no computer war tennis oh. shoes is a little way too younger. <laughs> big Kurt trouble, Russell. little China. Somebody like here, watch this. <laughs> yeah. Big trouble, little China could have worked too. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I haven't been paying too much attention to the differences and to the nuance in acting. I, I've just been so enthralled by some of the transitions they've been making from young to old. It's it, They've been so well done. They um, have. I, w- the, I will say that. The one in episode three in particular where it just like it transitions beautifully into Wyatt. And that is another little bit of a disappointment for this episode is there's no Wyatt. There's yeah. there's no flashback in this episode, but that kind of adds to the whole. This could have been cut shorter and tacked on to episode three. Yeah. Or so, add some of the younger part or some of the flashbacks onto this by cutting it shorter. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably giving us I, a little I bit think more that's where they kind of lost us at that point because we got so used to the flip-flopping between different time periods and you looked forward to seeing those flashbacks and then coming back to current or present time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a little bit of those nitpicks and some of the issues that we did have with the episode because, again, you know, this there's a big focus this episode in, on Contaro and mm-hmm. May. They're meeting in the past, you know, back in 2014 and or one year prior. So I'm, I'm assuming it's 2014. Actually, I think it says 2014. Um, it, they 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 do a job. I'm not saying it's good or bad of trying to add more mystery to May's character. Yes. Uh, there's the whole scene with Kentaro outside of the, outside of the art exhibit, uh, the art installation where he's taking a picture of the poster mm-hmm. and she gets a little bothered by the fact that her picture has been taken. And it kind of adds to the whole thing that there is something mysterious about May. We don't know what it is, but I feel like, okay, you used an element of, May's mysterious past to use it as an introduction to Kentaro. It, and it, for some reason, like the rest of it just didn't work for me. Yeah. The it was all filler, the getting to it, know you and personality of each between May and Kentaro at the bar, how they get into the bar, uh, his artwork, all that could have been thrown out. The only interesting aspect that came out of that whole flashback is the phone call that she gets from somebody named Lyra. Her sister. Okay. And the conversation, which was a little bit, it was somewhat cryptic to some degree. Correct. But, yeah, because I think they don't want to, it's going to, I don't know what's going to get revealed, but I'm sure they're just going to, it's probably something a lot simpler than people may think. Yeah. It, it could be something to throw us off completely for all we know. I mean, I could see it as maybe they're going to play something like her sister is somehow involved in all this, too. Like, that's why she didn't want to get involved. I I don't know. But to me, that seems a little too on the nose, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, You know, like, I, I don't know how they're going to play it. It's but the, the the weird stuff with her and Kentaro to me just. I don't know if it's just there wasn't chemistry between those two actors in this in this because I like Kiersey Clemens. That's the hard part about this for me. Yeah. And I mean, I've never I've never seen I forget the actor's name that plays uh, Kentaro. It's uh, Ray uh, uh, Ren Wadaby. I've never seen him in anything else. I'm not familiar with this work. Kiersey Clemens, I've seen a couple different things. But to me, they're just there was no chemistry between the two of them in those romantic scenes. Not at all. They just don't nah. like, I don't know. They just don't seem like a likely couple. Like her personality does not seem like that's a person that, you know, she would probably gravitate towards. I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, no, I, I feel that. And it's kind of like for somebody who has put thrown up this tough persona in everything that we've seen her in so far and this element of mystery, it seemed almost out of character for her to be someone who lets her guard down that quickly to someone she just met. Correct. It seems out of character for me. Yeah. And then what gets to me about all that. So my biggest, one of my biggest nitpicks is the fact that when Kentaro goes off on his own, 
in Alaska, right? And, yep. and you have you have Kurt Russell say, "Okay, he's going to go by himself, and us three will go this way." You would think his newly found sister would say, "I'm not going to let my newly found brother go off on his own." Instead, because you could kind of see that Kate and May, there's something there, like some kind of chemistry there. And it just seems like she's like, well, you know what? I'd rather stick with the girl that I'm interested in <laughs> than my brother, who I just met, but could possibly die on, you know, by himself going off into the uh, into the tundra. <laughs> and that part bothered me. I was like, seriously? And then Kurt Russell being the adult, should, you know, maybe he should have said, listen, if we're going to split up, let's make it two and two. <laughs> so. So do you think you see like a romantic chemistry between Kate and May? From the very beginning, there's like there's something there. Hmm, and okay. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe. But it just seems like she's for a person that. So Kate kind of flips flops back and forth with kind of liking May and not liking May. But some t- and I don't know. They just I think. There seems to be an attraction there, and I could be wrong on that, but there just seems to be something that might be there or might not. I don't know. I would that would be interesting. I've I didn't really kind of pay attention to it, but I'm definitely going to pay attention to it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just I saw it and I was like, huh. Which look, which there's nothing wrong with that. No, but not it's at just all. The, it's just the fact that, and then May should be thinking. And if it is, May should be going, well, let me see. I was with the brother, and now I'm going to go with the sister. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, you know, so, I mean, and I it, don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I love how Lee just lets Kintaro go on his own. Yeah, good luck to you. And then you will That's actually what I'm reach saying. out. It's just like, you're, well, okay. You're a freaking adult. <laughs> well, I mean, I can kind of see. A little bit. And I saw this upon my second viewing of the episode. I kind of paid a little bit more attention to this. And I kind of, I, I can kind of see something they might have been going for with this backstory in that it was less about, it was using it as an opportunity to show the introduction of Kentaro and May, hmm. but it was less about that and more about Kentaro putting his past behind him and becoming a more confident person. Because he does seem like he does lack some confidence when we first see him and May interact with each other. Right. May kind of brings that confidence out in him mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more. And then to the point where when we are in 2015, he is confident enough to say, you know what? If you're not going with me, I'm going on my own. And he is the one who does eventually end up rescuing them. That yes, he does. Yeah, it's, Which, it's more character building within the episode itself, but... That could be done in 20 minutes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, again, I don't think we needed all the weird trippy flashbacks of the art installation. And I, yeah. those are the those are the parts I really did not get. Same here. Especially I, his type of art. How even May even says it's pretentious. The only thing that I took away is the consistent trope of Hiroshi's pencil shavings as a way of tracking him throughout this. Cause even in the snow, he's able to find those. And that was a little bit hard to believe too, based upon the wind and the snow yeah. itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm I, saying. The whole was, Arctic thing just wasn't real. <laughs> I was actually going to say, like, I didn't find that that bothersome until you mentioned the wind. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, that window was broken. The wind was blowing. Those shavings would not have been on that table. Exactly. No. <laughs> and weren't they also on the snow? Yes. Like outside. Yeah, he tracked them. He tra- tracked them like a tracker. Oh, I missed I- that part. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the that's that's why it has such a big problem with this whole scene. Because I'm like, wait a minute. You're in the tundra. With, I mean, you can see in the background that the wind is like going, I don't know, 50 miles an hour. But those shavings, you know, those shavings will stay in place. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing that I was also confused by, too, and it, it made a little bit more sense upon second viewing. But I, when like we see him in that in that booth or wherever that is, that lab or whatever it is with the radio and. You know, and then the next thing we know, we see these guys all running from the frost yeah. and Kurt Russell's lighting the fire, which they see that. Oh, no, that's what you tried making a thing reference. And yeah. it's, it's really not. I no. would have compared that more to that was his flamethrower rather than burning a body. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, the timeline of like they're running from the frost and then all of a sudden the chopper is there. I was like, well, that was mighty quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where was the local outpost? Where, 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 where was that outpost? Was that the other buildings he had seen in the distance? <laughs> or is it just well, the, the, the abandoned no, ones it, that, no, that he found? He found the abandoned ones. I know. He I know what he was looking for. I know. But we also get the, uh, the hollow earth lighting coming from the ground to within this. Well, I question that. Um, I think we need to wait until the next episode for that because okay. uh, only because I don't want it to ruin our theory <laughs> <laughs> that we have that Lee has already spent time in hollow earth and that's why he hasn't aged. Um, yeah, Rob, I, I know you haven't really, you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episodes of this, but uh, we do have a theory yeah. Okay. That Lee has spent some time in Hollow Earth, which is what slowed his age. Okay. Um, yeah. They made that comment as, of as how May said in episode three. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't you be like ninety? He should be much older than he is. Yeah. Correct. So I feel like he has been somewhere where it it has slowed his aging. Like time works differently there in in like, the Hollow Earth. I mean. Now I'm trying to see how the science of that will work. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if if you consider how long Godzilla and all these other Titans have been around, right? They have to be coming from somewhere that probably slows their aging too. There's if there is, there's something like it's way beyond. You know, it's what we call movie magic. Yeah, um, and and of mm-hmm. course, yeah, I could see that. I could see where like maybe he did spend time in Hollow Earth, and all of a sudden he just you know he hasn't really aged or. He has been aging at a regular pace. He just maybe coming out at a diff- different time period. I don't know. Because if you're going to have light coming out of a portal, let's say that is hollow earth and you have mm-hmm. light coming out of there. That means that's not a hole. <laughs> that's a portal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which well, I mean, Randa actually him- makes Bill actually makes a comment about teleportation too. in the previous episode that we, we, watch too in the third episode does he really yes i i like i i don't recall that but i i'm thinking about like the movie uh what is it uh kong versus godzilla or whatever mm-hmm. where they do go into the hollow earth part of it 
and but you don't see no lights coming out of that. Yeah, that's why I'm Very saying true. I think we kind of have to wait because it seemed if our theory is that Lee has spent time in Hollow Earth or somewhere like that, he definitely seems a little surprised by what he sees. Very he true. sees this hole and he does seem surprised by this. Right. So if he's surprised by it or if like, let's say he did spend some time in there, he shouldn't be surprised. He should have seen that light and go, oh, I know what that is. If that light is hollow earth. Exactly. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this might but be something completely different. I think it is too, especially considering the amount of energy it's apparently giving off, as we learned in the beginning of the episode, the whole pulsar, right, supermassive black hole. I I don't feel like this is Hollow Earth. I think this is something different. Okay. Hmm. Um. That at least that's my theory. I'm sure we're going to find out more of it in in the next episode. Um, a whole different universe. <laughs> well, because our, our other theories too, that we'll tell you about is also that the reason why he ended up in hollow earth is because he, he wanted to see if Kiko was still alive because we don't see her land. She right. That makes sense. A hole. Uh, and we also feel like there was a relationship between Lee and Kiko before Lee, before Kiko and bill, which means there's a possibility that Kate and Kantaro could be, his grandkids. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that too. Wow. Yeah. And not Bill's okay. grandkids. Right. Man. DNA, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Take that I, DNA I, test. So we're, we'll, we're, it's a wait and see for any of them. We could be completely wrong on all of them. Yeah. And Kurt Russell, and it really is just good genes. And that's why he's like 90 something and looking like Kurt Russell now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the other, uh, so I, again, I don't have a lot of notes for this episode because it really is a lot of nitpicking and stuff. Because it, it this episode just didn't blow me away. I didn't feel like it gave us a lot more additional to the story. Even the stuff with the frost mark that they gave us in this episode was stuff we talked about last episode, and that it's drawn to the heat and it absorbs mm. it. Yes. That was that was nothing new to us. We no. knew that last episode. We figured it out last episode. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah, sucks so. the uh, heat out of everything to make it icy. Much like... A, but what it, does that do to that monster? Like, I'm always, I'm always like, okay, so what's either... Like, I try to, even though it's a fantastical thing, but what does the heat do for him? Is it energy? Is it food? Because if you live in Alaska, you don't have that much heat there. Yeah, so I think you, it. I think it right. feeds it. Yeah, I think. Okay, so I mean, it might be that, but I I thought it was kind of strange because I'm like, for an animal that relies on heat in order for it to maybe live, you're in the wrong part of the earth, buddy. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> this is so, this is very true. Or again, we go back to. That portal, did he just come out of the portal? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, he. I, I have a feeling those two are connected. The frost yeah, right, and whatever that hole is in the earth is connect. They are connected to each other, right? So it's it's a matter of how, which hopefully we're going to find that out soon. And they call it a what? Frost? Frost Vark? Oh, like an Ardvark, but it's Frost Vark. Okay. Yeah, Frostvark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Hardvark, Frostvark. Yeah, that's yeah. 
because they are oh, yeah. armored. It is an armored Titan. Right. Yep. So, or is it? I don't know. I don't I'd, have, know. Yeah. I'd have to look at it again to see if that's the case. The only thing that's memorable is the little tentacles with like the little, you know, LED lights at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a cool looking Titan. I mean, I'm not. It I'm, is. I'm not going to lie about it. It is. Or titan or kaiju whatever we want to call it um it is listed as a titan in yeah. the in the wiki so well even well, actually, lee no, just calls it a, a titan as well no right. yeah it is subterranean uh dwelling titan it is listed as a titan so it is a titan subterranean dwelling okay it's, yeah. a, it's like a mole yeah you know what if you ever see moles like that have those little tentacles in the uh on their snout that's exactly what it's if it's subterranean yeah, hmm. I watch way too many uh, nature documentaries, <laughs> man. Is there a such thing? Let's be real. Is there a such thing as too many nature documentaries? <laughs> no, well, no, of course not. Because um, now that you're saying really. that, it's like, well, it relies on heat. The first thing I'm thinking about is how um, owls and other animals that live in the Arctic somehow can see heat underneath the snow in order for them to hunt. So if this yeah. thing really is trying to detect, he should have seen them underneath that ice when they were, you know, trying to escape, you know? So uh, that's now I'm thinking about them. I was like, no, an animal that's supposed to rely on heat should have probably said, okay, there's something thermal down there. <laughs> that's just, well, again, that's just the, uh, uh, the nature buff me. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah, it does. Do it does burrow under the ground to chase them a little bit, and then it comes out close to the close to the chopper. Because um, we do see it attempt to suck the heat out of May, uh, mm -hmm. which is what damages the laptop with all the monarch information on it. I thought that was a little bit of a stretch of imagination. Uh, that was that was one way to to ruin the laptop. But why? Because it was turned off, so it's not generating any heat. So why would it? Well, because it, any it, it's it wasn't generating heat. May was generating the heat. Um, so, so it was starting to. Did he suck the heat through the <laughs> through yeah, the laptop? I mean, and and then... Well, that's what I. That's why I mean when I say like I think it was a stretch of imagination to kind right. of okay make yeah. that happen. It would have made more sense had it just been like it fell in the water when May did. Right. I, I, that could have made more sense to me, you know, than the Frostvark sucking May's heat through it. <laughs> uh, that I, again, stretch of imagination. Nitpicking Listen, this is a show, this is a show where Godzilla is real. So, you know, we have to kind of like suspend <laughs> disbelief. That is true. <laughs> this is true. We're nitpicking how a laptop freezes in a show about Titans. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, what about the two of you? Any other things that you kind of want to bring up? I've I've kind of touched on everything I have, to be honest. Well, there's the, the one ending where Tim is, like, so glad to see Shaw and the look of confusion on Shaw's face. So, obviously... Tim followed all of uh, Lee Shaw's work and information over the years. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's about it. The connection between the Tim connection between yeah Tim and Shaw. Yeah. I think yeah, the biggest thing I'm going to be looking forward to is actually Kentaro's and, uh, and Kate's father 
on I mean the fact that he had two families he's a mm-hmm. scumbag but that being said um why he's disappeared when we know that he's alive and I mean he he had a family for what over 20 years in two different places so kind of you know I, I want to hear his excuse that's basically what I was like I want uh, like all right let's see what you come up with do we know for sure that Hiroshi is still alive. We're, they're leading us to believe he is. Yes. That's what they're leading. All right. And, and I have a feeling that that's what maybe. I mean, for, for a show to say, hey, you know, the, the, to lead that trail there. Let's say they we go through every episode and towards the end we find out, oh, no, he was always dead. It's kind of a cop out, I think. I mean, they're going to they're going to get out writing. and talk. They're going to get out at that base, wherever that base is or that station is. And then they're like, oh, yeah, Hiroshi was here, but he died of frostbite yesterday. You <laughs> just missed him. <laughs> you just missed him. If that would be a little bit of a cop other, out. If he would have looked on the other side of the wall, <laughs> he would have mm. noticed that he's there frozen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it it would be kind of curious though or very interesting if they do get there and you know, obviously they're looking around for him and they say like, "No, your father's not here." Which just adds more to the mystery and extends the mystery of where right. the hell is he? What happened? And it could <laughs> it could play into whatever that hole in the earth is. Possibly. Yeah. Like maybe that's where he is. He so teleported. We're <laughs> <laughs> another dimension. Yeah. <laughs> he fell in. Uh, who yeah. knows? He's in La Brea now. Totally different show. <laughs> oh my God. What a horrible show that is. <laughs> hey, I liked La Brea. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with La Brea should have been just a movie. All right. Because the problem with those type of shows is that they're like, okay, we got to make this last five seasons. And then they add crap in there that you're like, really? <laughs> I mean, you yeah. started kind of cool, and now you're into like, oh, you know, we have technology in the past, and and the future came to the past. Oh, like they just like uh, like just throwing everything they can. It's like <laughs> you could see like a bunch of writers in the room going, "What else can we do?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. He didn't end up in La Brea. He ended up in Terra Nova. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that show lasted even shorter than La Brea. That's yeah, a deep that cut, true. man. That is a deep cut. <laughs> I'm full of those. Um, anything else from? Nothing. No, I look forward. I look I like I said. I look forward to uh, a lot of the um, the questions that we all have on the show. So far, it's been good. I think this is like you said. This has been the weakest one of them all. But yeah, hopefully the rest are going to be better and they'll be as entertaining. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm again, I'm, this this episode left me a little wanting and look, that's OK. It's a 10 episode series. They're not all going to be super strong. Correct. You know, I I agree with what we've said already in that this could have been cut in half and tacked on to the end of another episode. You know, it's it it is what it is i'm i have no doubt it's going to pick right back up again hopefully next episode with episode 5 so that uh true. so with that said uh we're going to dive into some feedback cuz we do have some okay uh, and as as we uh 
we don't usually listen to these or read these in advance. So um, we're going to be hearing them for the first time as we do for everybody else. So we have two voicemails to play. Mark, I didn't send you the feedback. I'm just going to read them. Um, the two that okay. come from feedback. Or the, the two that come from uh, Facebook, at least. Uh, the first one comes from Adam Buckley. Uh, and he says, loving the show so far, just loving the story being about the human story, not just the monsters, even though I love seeing the monsters. Uh, we're right there with you. The monsters are great. And we're loving the uh, the human element. Well, we were until this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one comes, the other piece of Facebook feedback comes from Steve Barr. Uh, he says, thanks for podcasting about this show. This may sound mean, but I think the May Kentaro scenes in Japan should have been cut. Well, we agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not sure if it was poor writing or lack of chemistry ended up making me root for the monsters to eat them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Steve. Yep. Uh, otherwise, I've been enjoying this show. It's a shame it's on Apple because I bet most Godzilla fans are not. <laughs> Might be some truth to that as well. Uh, yeah, that's knows? true. But Apple's answer to that is, well, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I when it comes to like technology, I'm not an Apple person at all. I'm PC, I'm Samsung, I'm Galaxy, like I'm all the way. Um, and that's because I went to college for computers, so I know how they're really made and such. Um <laughs> That iPhone that you're holding in your hand is actually made with Samsung parts, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to the programming, I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan of what they've put out. I'm a fan of Monarch. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Ted Lasso. Um, some of the movies and other series, you know, for all mankind and a couple other ones. I'm a fan of the the stuff that they put out. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have a company that's worth three trillion dollars uh they have enough money to probably spend um spend it on good writing and good uh good talent and things like that and they're not trying to compete with netflix or anything like that or yeah. disney plus because they know they're not going in that in that in that area they are not going to win yeah so their whole thing is all right so we're not going to have that much like netflix but what little we have let's try to give us some good quality stuff. And this definitely has shown that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that takes us into the two voicemails that we have. Uh, and the first one comes from uh, Sam from Boston, who has sent us a voicemail before. So let's see what she has to say. Hi, Ben and Mark. This is Sam from Boston calling in for feedback of episodes three and four. I really liked episode three. I thought it was really kind of fun and it had some really good dynamics going on. I mean, the flashbacks were really kind of interesting and really beautiful uh, cinematography. And then like Godzilla just took like a face shot of an H-bomb and they're like, he wandered away. Yeah, he was probably like, ugh. She's kids today. Your ancestors worship me, but sure, you're gonna act like this. I'm gonna take my H bomb to go, and just like went back home. He's like, you people are ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked it. And then Duho, I mean, enough said. Like he's the best character. I love his character. I really, really want more of his character. And he was just so great and a great example of how very little screen time can equate to really great characters. 
which goes into episode four. I really struggle bust with this episode. <laughs> I struggled to get through this episode. It's probably my least favorite out of all of them so far. And I, you guys do such a wonderful job on the podcast and, and just help me to appreciate different things in the episode and the time and energy that went into it. You guys reminded me that this show is about the, the humans behind the monsters. That is why I'm not getting into the show the way that I've gotten to the movies. I don't like most of these characters. And it's not that they're bad. It's just I'm not connecting with them in a way that I have with the movies. Where like I've spent four hours with these characters and but in a two two hour, two and a half hour movie, I like I mean Dr. Vivian Graham, R.I.P., Dr. Sarazawa, Admiral Stentz, the Russell family, Dr. Stanton, Dr. Chen. I mean, I get it, not everyone can be a Brian Cranston. I just I'm not connecting to these characters, so I don't really care. And it's it's really kind of weird. I, I'd say the closest I'm I'm to it is Lee Shaw, and it's just kind of a struggle us to for me to get through it when I don't care about the humans in the element. So I don't know. I think it's it's definitely just a me problem. So I'm trying to figure out why I'm just not connecting to these characters. Um, yeah, and also like quick side note, like I really like May, aka Amber. I did not care for her in this episode and it's not at all the actress's fault. Her writing was she spent most of this episode either dying slowly of hypothermia, not her fault, or having flashbacks to when she met Kentaro. And we look at Kentaro's flashback slash hallucination. He's talking about and thinking about his art gallery and his relationship with his dad, which makes sense. Maybe he has some regrets in there from what we've seen. May is thinking about the first time she met Kentaro. Like, it's just, it's weird. And it's like, that's just one of my pet peeves when it comes to female characters of like, don't make their identity part of being in a romance. Like, why didn't we get a flashback about her sister? Like that would have been far more interesting. She is definitely a character that has more depth. And I wanted to know more about that. I just kind of, I don't know, maybe it was just her regret of like, oh, I wouldn't have been out here if it wasn't for this kid. So like, I don't know, maybe that, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. It looks like we're going to get a much more interesting episode next week. So I'm very hopeful for that. Thanks guys. Sam, you're not the only one. <laughs> Trust me. If you just heard our entire conversation, this, yeah, it seems like everybody seems pretty much on the same page about this episode so far. So it's, it seems the, the human connection just didn't connect with people in this episode and it, it, it fell flat. We'll see how it goes into the next episode. I see it as a filler episode. A lot of, uh, a lot Absolutely. of, a lot oh, of yeah. series have like, Hey, listen, um, we can actually tell this entire story with four episodes, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, but we I mean, need, like... we need some filler stuff in there to make it 10 so we can have more people, you know, tune in. And that's what I think this was. Well, I mean, if you have a story that you can tell in four episodes, tell it in four episodes. Hmm. Don't give us six episodes of filler. Um, uh, you know, and when you have the, you know, when you look at the way television has changed over the years going from seasons that used to be anywhere from 20 to 25 episodes per season. Oh yeah. I fully expected fuller filler in television shows like that. But when more series started truncated seasons to five episodes to 10 episodes so that they could tell more cohesive stories and focus more on the story, you shouldn't have filler episodes in a season. That's only 10 episodes. Yeah. 
I would tend to agree with that, except that nowadays we're running out of, I would say, ideas. And so uh, the perfect example of that, I would say, like, let's say the X-Files. So the X-Files used to have 24 episodes. And I used to be a huge, huge fan of the X-Files. So they used to have like about 24 or 23 episodes per season. And then when they came back years later uh, and have, what was it, like maybe 10 episodes or eight episodes, they still put fillers in there. And it's like, guys, you got now eight episodes concentrate on the main arc of what X-Files has always been. But no, they decided like, oh, let's do some extra X-File, X-File type of uh, episodes just to put in there. And I'm like, you guys are just going about it all wrong. Is it yeah. that you're running out of ideas? You're like, listen, we have dragged this story on so long that we just don't know what else to come up with. So now, you know, I feel that there are some shorter uh, shows out there and they still put fillers in there because it's like the I don't think we have the same caliber writers that we used to and I can I could, I could get into a whole th- other <laughs> podcast on just that alone and so to me it was just more like okay you know what let's just put something let, let's take what we said this could have been done in 20 minutes and let's just stretch it out because we have a contract with Apple to do 10 episodes you know, so they're just kind of mm-hmm. like making it longer. And this, just like, dude, come on, man, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at it's not on Apple, but you look at um, the Continental, which was on Peacock. Oh, yeah. It was it was three episodes. I had to, to see that. <laughs> it was three episodes and it was it was promoted as a three episodes um, as mini a series? mini not a mini series, um, a three episode event is what they called it. Hmm. Hmm. And it was only three episodes. They told the story they needed to tell in three episodes. So, you know, I can see, yeah, I can see where you're coming from where like, look, we have this deal with Apple. We got to do, they want us to do 10. Let's do 10. So, but hopefully the story that we're going to get throughout the rest of this series isn't going to be, isn't, it's okay if there's a little bit of filler in there, but this episode just felt <laughs> completely unnecessary. <laughs> a lot of this episode felt completely unnecessary. Well, oh, there yeah. were little things in there that you kind of find out and you go, oh, okay, that's good new information. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't need to stretch it out into 40 minutes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just give us 20 minutes of that and now give us a flashback. The flashbacks are as good as the stuff that's, you know, in present time. Well, I mean, it's one of the biggest things that they promoted about this. It's even in the credits where it says, you know, and Lee played by Kurt and then it fizzles to Wyatt or no played by Wyatt and then fizzles to Kurt. Like one of your biggest promoting aspects of this is that father and son are playing the same character. Right. And yet we didn't get that at all in this episode. Yeah. Well, maybe you said some other episodes where you won't see Kurt Russell at all. We didn't get him at all in the first two. We got Kurt at the very end of episode two. Maybe this was his time to shine. He said, I'm getting this entire episode. (laughs) It's in my contract. I get one. Screw my son. I get my own episode in this series. (laughs) Uh, For for those people, actually, if somebody comes up to me and be like, hey, uh, do I have to watch episode four? I'll probably be like, no, you could probably skip episode four, go right to five. I'll tell you what happens. (laughs) (laughs) They escape the frost vark. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Oh, and May gets her legs wet. 
<laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, but that leads us to our final voicemail. And it is, of course, from our friend Steve Brown. Uh, Rob, you're in for a treat because I don't know if you've heard any voicemails from Steve before. No, I have not. Uh, but they are basically live commentaries of the episode. So they are uh, what we call live Stevings. Uh. <laughs> uh, so here it is, our voicemail from uh, from Steve Brown. Hey, Ben and Mark and Steve. I'm just finishing up your uh, coverage of uh, episode three. And I think the best line I've ever heard, thank you, Ben, was, I love it when Steve sounds confused. <laughs> here we go for episode four. Okay, who's in Utah in 2015? Is this girl looking for graboids? That's a Tremors reference for anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> okay, dude, if you had hit the Mudo with your flare, it wouldn't have done anything. But falling into the snow, <laughs> we're going back a year earlier. Why? What's uh, <laughs> and the freaking subtitles are going so fast. I can barely read them. Oh, this is a side note. I appreciate the subtitles. I appreciate that they're talking in the actual language. But if we can't read the subtitles because you put it so fast, What's the point of the flashback? She just said parallels. Is this the title of the episode? Mic drop. Subtitles went by so fast. She said parallels and interiors. That's the title of the episode. Mic drop. God. These, why are we, why do we need to see uh, how these two met? <laughs> My girl. She likes expensive whiskey. Okay. Now I'm kind of okay with this flashback. I love Kurt Russell in the Titans. They're like snowflakes. No two are the same. Oh, that was a cool edit from the, we just, Trust me, from the snow to back to the flashback, because they're gonna then they're, they're gonna go separate ways because they don't believe Kentaro saw something. Ugh. Okay, so now we see the girl from the beginning, and she's a pulsar that's beta. Is this the Hulk, Incredible Hulk? Oh, okay, that's pretty significant. Uh, from G Day, Godzilla Day. Either <laughs> delirium, Kate's thinking about whiskey. Okay, thanks, Kurt Russell, Captain Obvious. So now you're telling us the Titans can disturb reality or what? They're walking in circles? Okay, so Kate, right? That's her name, the hacker? I'm confused. Kentaro's girlfriend has a flip phone and somebody that she doesn't want to talk to, but she says she'll call them when she gets back, whatever. Hey, not Kate. Kate is the other one. Where do they find a tent? Is this, oh, this is right, uh, the original... Uh, Hiroshi's tent, right? Okay, so Kurt Russell says they're going to build a great big fire to attract the thing because heat attracts it, and that'll let them escape. But Kentaro is still out in the desert by himself hearing voices. Now Kentaro is hallucinating his dad, I think, and again, the subtitles are going by way too fast. Now the Titan found him, and they didn't even have a fire. What? Okay, so now they've got to get to the chopper. Wait, and Kentaro's in the chopper? What? Okay, can't wait for you guys to explain this one to me. But there's Tim and Colonel Shaw. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. On to the next episode. I, I'm going to repeat what I said last week. I love it when Steve sounds confused. <laughs> <laughs> and frustrated. Yes. Because he certainly sounded that way yeah. in, that, in that voicemail. <laughs> uh, I, I have no words for that. I really don't. But thank you, Steve, and Sam, and Steve, and everybody who left <laughs> who left feedback for us this week. Um, yeah, I just—he's just as confused as we are. Oh, yeah. We didn't even—we didn't even talk about the line that Kurt Russell throws out there when they end up back at the camp. 
Like, oh, like there's the these Titans throw like reality out of whack. Yeah. What? Yeah. To me, it was a throwaway line and it it just like, oh, okay. Anytime they're around, you're, you know, you don't know. Oh, we just walked in a circle. It's like, oh, okay. So you're going to blame the Titan. (laughs) Yeah. Blame the Titan. (laughs) Yeah. Not your sense of direction in in what's supposed to be uh, freezing weather and a lot of wind, and you don't have any kind of like markers on where you're really going. Exactly. There's, there's no wonky reality. You followed the wrong light. Yeah. <laughs> you went the wrong direction because you followed the light from whatever was shining up out of the earth. But then again, he is 90-something years old. He might have dementia. So, <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you again, everybody, for the feedback that you left this week. If you want to continue to do so, we highly encourage it. Easiest ways to do that are just watch out whether you're following us on Wilhelm or on House Podcastica. Uh, keep an eye out on the Facebook pages for both on social media. We put out a feedback post every week for you to leave a comment or you can email us directly. Uh, feedback at WilhelmPodcast.com. Just send us an email or a voicemail and we will read it or play it on the podcast. Um, before we get out of here, Rob, we're going to start with you. Uh, this is your time to plug away, my friend. Uh, tell us <laughs> where can people find you? What are you doing? Uh, let the listeners know what you're all about. Sure. Uh, so I have a podcast called Fantasy Picks Movie Edition. And the podcast, basically, what we do is we look at big tentpole movies that failed at the box office or with critics. And we do our own fa- uh, fan casting to see how we would have made it better. So whether it's changing the actor, the story, the director, who knows, whatever it is. And we have fun with that. We also have a top five draft uh, when it comes to whether it's genres, movies, or actors, directors, and we have fun with that too. And we also added a new section now where we highlight a movie composer. Uh, We just did um, Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman. And those are fun to do, too. So we really, you know, we just don't hate on all the other stuff. <laughs> you know, we actually <laughs> we actually do try to, you know, um, highlight those uh, those great talented artists that uh, have actually made us go to the movies all the time. So, yeah, that's what I do. And once in a blue moon, I'll show up on Mark's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find Fantasy Draft? Um uh, the, uh, uh, you can find them picks. on ev- you can find them on every podcast you know platform out there, and you can also find us on YouTube uh, podcast, uh, which we just recently uh, launched, and soon to probably do YouTube videos probably in the new year coming up. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, the top five stuff is fun because we do a lot of that stuff on Wilhelm uh, here on Wilhelm too. We do the top fives every once in a while. I know Mark's been on to do what did we do top five John Cusack movies yes very very early on and um what else have you been on for top five on wilhelm have you, you've been on for other ones haven't you not for other top fives we talked about not community for, well yeah we did the top five episodes of community okay it was top five i forgot yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know we, we talked about community i forgot if it was top five yeah this actually diving into the weekly breakdown of a series is relatively new for Wilhelm. This is the first series I'm doing it for. Hmm. Um, but I will say uh, the next series has already been picked out. 
uh, in that the trailer for it actually dropped today on the day that we're recording. Uh, it doesn't come out until April, so it's going to be a little bit of a break before we dive into another series. But Fallout, uh, the trailer for the new Amazon series Fallout, and it looks fantastic. I just heard that announced, I think, today, and I was like, oh, I got to go look at that. So I haven't yeah. even seen it yet. <laughs> The trailer looks great. So that's um, this show wraps up. Monarch wraps up in January. So once Monarch is finished, it'll still be top fives and celebrity stuff, uh, celebrity interviews and such. But then we'll, we'll dive into another series here on Wilhelm when Fallout comes out in April. So cool. Uh, that'd be fun. Mark, tell the people where you can, where they can find you. Uh, anybody can find me at Panels to Pixels podcast. You can find me on any player of choice. Uh, Rob and I just finished up Gen V with episodes uh, seven and eight, and I just released it today. Uh, Invincible, uh, the season fin- season two finale with uh, Jamie Dimmick. Uh, coming up for that would be we're going to be covering What If, which is going to be on Disney Plus. But we'll throw in a small movie, uh, like uh, some sort of uh, superhero movie in there in between. Uh, you could also find me on Adrenaline Cinema Podcast, where we, you know, basically cover or review movies that are action, adventure, fantasy, suspense, thriller, anything to get your adrenaline going. So, uh, actually, coming up, you guys will both be on it, which will be Real Steel. I'm looking forward to that. I love that movie so much. I hope I... Rob's not going to be in there to talk shit about it. <laughs> no, no. Well, <laughs> believe it, believe it or not, um, I liked it the first time I saw it. Uh, I wasn't thrilled about it the second time I saw it, and then years, 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 years later, passed, and then I saw it for the podcast, and I was like, I can't believe I really liked this movie so much. <laughs> oh boy, this is gonna be a fun because <laughs> uh, I'm gonna defend it. All I can. <laughs> um, as for me here on Wilhelm, uh, we have some more top five episodes coming up uh, for the final episode of the year, which will be the Christmas episode. I'm doing my first ever feedback special, which is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, if you're a Wilhelm listener, I encourage you guys to leave feedback for that because everybody who leaves feedback will be my co-host for that episode. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I have my panel with peter cullen that's going to be releasing this month as well and i'm still uh, waiting to get the audio from all my rhode island comic-con panels which will release in january uh so they're going to be into there uh kristen and i are going to be returning with the movie swap episodes starting this week so those will be coming back and then as for kristen and i also you can check us out on revisited pot on the revisited podcast with our coverage of ted lasso Last but not, oh, that's revisitedpod.com is where you can find that. And last but not least, if you're a Podcastica listener, be sure to check, even if you're a Wilhelm listener, check out all the great stuff over at Podcastica, podcastica podcastica.com. There's so much going on over there. They just started covering uh, Squid Game, which uh, the show's been over, but they're they're doing the coverage of that now. Jason and Lucy are into their rewatch of The Walking Dead. Uh, Paik and Rima over on Strange Indeed are wrapping up with Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, and there's a bunch of other stuff. So podcastica.com <laughs> is where you can go to find uh, all of that information. I think that about does it for this episode, yeah. though, of our Monarch coverage. 
I, I wish it was more better. I wish there was better stuff to talk about. But hopefully next week, uh, next week's episode, season one, episode five is The Way Out. Kate's painful memories of G-Day come flooding back as she treks through the ruins of San Francisco with Kentaro and May. Hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for coming on uh, and being a part of this. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Yeah. I mean, and there's still five episodes, six episodes left. So if you ever want to come back on towards the end of the season, you are more than welcome. Oh, that was definitely welcome. That Thank you. So uh, for me and Mark, uh, thank you guys so much for listening, subscribing, all that you guys do. But until next time, uh, we'll see you on another episode. Take care. Bye-bye.